you know, it's kind of like, what's the juice in the relationship? Like, why, why are these folks, like, why are folks, why do folks like each other? Why are they getting each other? Like, why is their energy sweet to, why are they sweet to each other, you know? Hello everyone, this is Renee Sills and I am so pleased to welcome you to this special episode of Embodied Astrology. My guest is Nika Swai. Nika is a healing arts practitioner, musician, astrologer, and co-founder of Cosmic Life, an astrological dating and connections app for the queer community that matches users based on their chart compatibilities. In today's episode, we spend the first hour talking about astrological synastry, which is the method of comparing two or more people's charts together in order to determine the strengths and challenges of their relationship. In the last half hour, Nika gives us a sneak peek into the development and beta testing of the Cosmic Life app and what makes it unique and special in a sea of astrology and dating apps. For anyone interested in astrology as a tool for understanding your relationships better, this episode is for you. Stay tuned and we'll be right back after this brief sponsorship message. jump into this this uh, yeah, let's, special episode let's do it awesome let's jump in let's jump right in Nika, yeah. who are you <laughs> who are you where did you come from who am i where did i come from <laughs> um you know renee i'm a multifaceted multi-dimensional ray of light Mm-hmm. from beyond the Pleiades mm-hmm. and I came here from the future to help humanity with some future visioning yes put in slightly more simple terms um, I, uh, I'm from Tanzania and Germany and uh, I've been I grew up in Tanzania at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro amongst my people who are the Chaga people. And uh, I came to America about 16 years ago on a scholarship and uh, have been here on and off doing so many things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, you know, from cultural anthropology to film and then ultimately really into the healing realms. Um, I studied Chinese medicine and Chinese herbs with a specific focus on classical medicine or Taoist medicine mm-hmm. and um, have been practicing that or first started engaging with that about 10 years ago and um, have always had astrology alongside that in terms of curiosity but more seriously delved into astrology about three, four years ago. Um, yeah. And have lived in multiple places in the, in the country, in the U.S., with the latest iteration being Portland. Right. 
Yeah, you've been in Portland for a couple of years now. So yeah, week? yeah. Four yeah, four years now. Okay. Yeah. And did you go to um, the Portland School of Astrology? That's you've done some studying there. I did. I did the second year program at the Portland School of Astrology. Okay, and that's for anyone listening that doesn't know about PSA. It's a queer-run astrology school in Portland. Um, they seem to have a lot going on, all kinds of different teachers and really open-minded approach to astro. Is that where you got your start with astrology or you were interested in it before that, studying it? I, I was, in, I've, I've was in, interested in astrology before that. Quite a, I started learning about astrology in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to this random class called Medieval Magic. Um, back in college, I was a Cullanth major. Mm-hmm. So I just basically studied anything that people were up to all over the world. I was, really, I was really interested in just, you know, different, studying different cultural systems and belief systems and came across, yeah, this class called Medieval, Astro- uh, Medieval Magic. And within that, um, I learned about a lot of like some of the foundational medieval mystics and the kinds of tools they used to, um, well, to really, to the, the kinds of healing and divination tools they used and some of like the cosmologies and philosophies that they held at the time, which is when astrology came up. And uh, I, re- I really remember this very distinctly. I had heard about it in class and then I went on the internet that night and I went onto one of those websites where you, you know, you can plug in your birthday right. and it gives you like a, a brief astro report. And I remember being totally blown away uh-huh. and just wondering what the hell is going on right now. I was just sitting in this chair for hours, having my mind blown, reading everything. And that's kind of where my interest in astrology started. Okay. What's, yeah. what's, what, what's one or two things from that report that really stand out in your memory as blowing your mind? Wow, you know... Um, wow, I don't actually, <laughs> I actually, I don't actually remember what I have no, you know how it is with astrology? Like you have to go in circles to learn it. Right. It's like the first time you read something, you don't really understand what, you, what yeah. the hell you just read or what it means. You just know it resonated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of, that's, that's kind of how I, how I felt at the time. But I remember, I think reading something about, like my Mars and Gemini and there, there being this in the fifth house and there being this notion that exercise activity and movement creates uh, wellness for me and that I need to always be active and that I have, you know, many ideas that my energy goes in many directions and I'm pretty nimble with multiple activities. So I remember, I think I, I think that one was one of those where I was like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you identify strongly with being a Taurus? Um, I, I, well, not as strong as some other folks. I would, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, I really appreciate my Taurus son. I think for me, that I think I have a real grounding cord through my Taurus son. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and also this yearning and appreciation for beauty, for nature, for just organic physical interactions with life. Mm-hmm. But on many in many in many ways I do feel a lot like my Sag moon. I feel my moon a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty I, I feel pretty saggy in some ways. Yeah. Like I feel like I do a million things. I'm constantly I tr- I travel so much. I I'm constantly big picture thinking. I definitely don't hang out on the couch and eat potato chips or whatever the stereotypes are around Taurus. Right. You do have a really comfortable apartment though. I do. I I I'm saying I I do rock my Taurus. I mean, <laughs> you know like <laughs> No, I got, I have to, I, I, you know, the thing is like for things to be pleasing, things have to be pleasing to me. I do look for pleasure Mm -hmm. a lot in my life. Pleasure and ease are pretty much A lot of grinding. All kinds of places. Yes. (laughs) As much pleasure as possible in many places. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like I want to look at something and just be like, oh, how nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I have, uh, so I'm looking at your, your chart right now and um, at your 17 degree Taurus sun conjunct to the North Node. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, when I saw that, I was remembering your, your rug. Um, Nika has this amazing rug. I've never seen a rug like this. It's, it's not, I don't think it's, I think it's vegan, right? It's <laughs> not an animal, but it, it feels... No, it's like, not. It's not an animal it product. It feels like the most luxurious, like, sheepskin kind of thing, but it's not that. It's so soft. It's so warm. All I remember really about being at your home was, like, um, cuddling with a lot of people on that rug. Felt very Victorian <laughs> to me. <laughs> Okay, who am I kidding? I'm a Taurus. Um, <laughs> this is true. I'm I'm sitting on that rug right now. I was like, oh, let me let me get on this rug when I, as I talk to Renee you know, about I'm astrology. Gonna talk to Renee. I'm gonna get comfy. Gonna get my beverages. Gonna set up with my pillows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I have a 15 degree Taurus moon, so I feel you. Mm-hmm. I love to get comfy. You know, it's a form of homecoming for me. Like the 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 objects and the objects and the harmony and the elegance of my space really puts my mind at ease. Yeah. You know, it's it's a visceral it's a visceral experience. Yeah. And I, I and I love that about being a Taurus. I guess it I guess it's simple in some ways to please that aspect of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tangible. Mm-hmm. Um I want to ask you more questions about yourself, but since we are going to be talking about synastry, um I just have a quick personal question for you. So like when you look at synastry with new potential friends or other connections, um, what do you look for, like, in terms of your own comfort and thinking about, um, you know, when you can, when you know you're going to be able to chill with someone? Um, so I, you know, 
I I don't look at sinistry in order to decide that, honestly. Because I think when I meet people, I have an instinctive um, feeling of a person. And, and based on the feeling that I receive from somebody, it, that's more my starting point for do I want to hang out or spend time with this individual. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I base my decisions of whether I am gonna, who I spend time with based on synastry. Um, but I do find it very interesting to see the synastry between myself and others once I have gotten to know them. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it helps give me an insight into, um, into things that I already instinctively know, but it helps give me an insight into how I, what impact I have on someone and how I am impacted by somebody or what parts of myself someone is activating or what parts of myself someone is confused by or what parts of someone else I'm confused by and where our growth potential or where sort of like the fire and, and um, the energy between us lies. And so I find that, um, I find that very interesting and exciting to know. And sometimes it also helps me shape uh, relationships. Um, I think, for example, as I'm thinking of this, I think more of Saturn, I think more of Saturn interactions, you know? Um, I, th I think one of the first things I do notice in a, in, in a synastry chart is just how, how our Saturns talk to each other mm -hmm. um, because it lets me know where, where my, it lets me know how I, how I challenge someone or how I challenge somebody's may perhaps self-worth or how I am an educational figure or an authority figure to someone or how they are that to me. Mm -hmm. um, so those kinds of contacts I see, I, I, I just naturally recognize very quickly. Um, but then I'm also like, you know, when I see like my Mars conjunct someone's Uranus, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> like this is gonna be trouble <laughs> or like we're gonna have a lot of fun yeah or, or both you know yeah how did you get interested in synastry like when did you start playing around with it in your astrological trajectory it was it was uh in my it was i was married once upon a time oh i didn't know that about you uh, yes indeed and in that relationship, I, there was many points of contention. And I just, and as I started to just out of curiosity, look at synastry, I started to have a language. I started to develop a language and see the areas where we um, don't understand each other, where we do understand each other and where we kind of have blind spots. And I thought it was really fascinating because I had, this would may have been like two or three years into the relationship. So I'd had plenty of experience within our relationship dynamic, right? So then when I started reading the language of synastry and how it so wonderfully described um, feelings or sensations or questions that I had about our togetherness, um, it really helped make sense, it really helped make, have some things make sense to me. Like, for example, 
uh, we had our Mercury squared to each other. Okay. And, um, and it literally sometimes felt like we were saying completely different things. Right. Or, or like I said something, but it was interpreted in a completely different way. Or even that when the unconscious language between us, or that we assumed a common unconscious language between us, but in reality, that language was very different. And so there was an even stronger need to actually articulate what assumptions we had about each other. Um, because we were making those assumptions and, were compl- and they were completely in error, yeah. you know, <laughs> or they did not recognize the other person. So that was, um, and there were other examples of that in the chart too, in our, in our sinistry charts too. And so it was, it was during that, it was during that, during that relationship that I really started to have, to really understand um, the intricacies of sinistry dynamics, which I think, you know, come out in friendship too, obviously, especially when you've studied it, but they can feel so, so, so loud in romantic, in partnerships, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay, so for anyone who listens to this and isn't familiar with Mercury as a figure or a square as a configuration, do you want to explain? I mean, you explained Mercury's in square with each other in sinistry with your description. Um, But... Mm -hmm. When you, when you think about Mercury as a figure in someone's chart and when you see a square aspect, um, what do you associate to those two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so Mercury definitely represents the workings, the patterns, the speed, the rhythm, the nature of someone's thoughts, of someone's mental world. And, and... I found it interesting. I remember in one of our astrology classes, someone saying that in some ways, in modern times, our Mercury is almost a little bit more like our ego because so much of ourselves comes from our thinking mind, which Mm -hmm. now in modern times is highly emphasized as one of our most important faculties. And so Mercury really is the function of of, of, uh, of our thinking mind and how we project our thoughts and project ourselves forward through the mind through information, how we digest information, process information, what kind of information we're drawn to, how it resonates with us. And so how we communicate, you know, basically. And so this is hugely important in the context of relationship, Mm -hmm. any relationship. And um, a square in astrology is often an aspect that creates um, tension. So it's two lines that meet each other at a right angle. And mm-hmm. so their energies don't blend together. They, they, they clash against one another. They have to figure out who the other is because there isn't a natural flow or natural resonance uh, with each other. Um, and, and yeah, as I was you know, saying, that's exactly what I came to realize many times. <laughs> uh-huh. So now, if you were to, say, be on an app that has um, people's astrology, and let's say, hypothetically, you know, you were in the market for a new friend, and you saw that someone's Mercury was square your Mercury, um, 
would that influence how you went into a meeting with them? Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it would. I would imagine, I would imagine that, actually, the funny thing is that <laughs> our app developer and I is Mercury cl Mercury's Clash. Okay. <laughs> so, um, one thing that I've come to learn within that <laughs> interaction is that I have to be really precise about everything I say to the, and even write it down. So I have to, I, I sometimes assume that the other person didn't actually hear me or that they, mm. that they didn't, or that they may not naturally agree with my sentiments or that they may push their thoughts forward um, without realizing that they're undermining mine or pushing mine aside or are not in consideration of mine or are somehow there's somehow there's a blind spot like they're not quite mm -hmm. reaching me and yeah. vice versa you know um and so yeah def <laughs> definitely if i saw that i i would i would make a mental note that i have to be really clear with communication with that person um but i would also look at you know all the other things that are going on so if there was a bunch of challenging aspects between us um, that promised uh, <laughs> no productivity whatsoever, then, you know, I, I, I don't know to what degree um, we would be able to be in relation. Um, but if other things are harmonious and flowing and, and, and we see each other planetarily in other ways, then that can, you know, aid those Mercuries that are in clash with each yeah. other. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I hear in what you're saying is the potential for um, both a knowledge of astrology and synastry to aid in more well-being and relationship, greater mutual understanding, etc. But then also, like, when you know that, okay, there's a square, there's this challenge here, um, it can open up your minds to how you want to learn from it rather than thinking, like, oh, we just have bad communication or this person doesn't listen to me. Like, you know that there's a square there, you know that there's going to be a miss. And so then you're actually in a place where you can um, develop your own skills around communication. Like you said, you might need to write it down, get really clear about what you're saying, uh, double check yourself when you're, when you're perceiving what they're saying. And that probably ends up being a benefit to, to you in the long run, at least in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that knowing synastry between two people allows there to be more grace, patience, and compassion mm -hmm. for the ways in which uh, we get along and the ways in which we challenge each other. The interesting thing about synastry is that so much of these planetary interactions are subconscious, you know? We don't realize we don't realize sometimes how, or we don't create language to understand how we are actually affected by another person. Mm -hmm. And then when you, when you do see it spelled out at times, it's really interesting. You know, it's really, it's really helpful. For example, one of the things that can be challenging in, in, in a relationship is like a, a Saturn Venus square or opposition, you mm -hmm. know, um, because it can signify that um, 
there's questions of self-worth that come up within the context of relationship. And there, is our, there may be issues of someone feeling unvalued in the relationship or, the, or just values coming up um, as, a, as a topic. Someone, one person might feel um, that <clears throat> their values are not respected by the other, that somehow they're not good enough, that even on a physical level, maybe their appearance or their expression of beauty of life is not, is not, is not good enough, or, you know, so, or somehow critiqued or is challenged or is being, being, um, you know, Saturn has this quality of, um, of refining things. And, but sometimes it doesn't feel that great. Sometimes yeah. it just... <laughs> Sometimes it feels really shitty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sometimes it's like, whoa, why did you just like critique what I'm wearing or or how I do things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, so when seeing and and it's inevitable that we have these contacts within our relationships, you know, and so gaining awareness and having language around these aspects and also for both sides to understand the kind of impact that they have on the other person can be really like really helpful and can also help each side tone it down at times and other times appreciate what they bring to the relationship you know because venus will also um make saturn um highly aware of perhaps their lacking sense of aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you talked about Saturn a, a minute ago when you were saying um, when you first look at synastry, you often looking at Saturn contacts in the chart, and then you discussed um, Saturn in association to to work and to teaching. Um, can can you say a little bit more about how you see Saturn showing up in synastry charts and what its relevance is? Yeah, definitely. So I think Saturn is a really interesting planet in synastry charts because I I've noticed that um, Saturn is kind of like a little bit that point of gripe that exists in a <laughs> in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It, it's uh, it's you know it's it's never that it's never easy like no. it's 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 a yeah it's something to really have to work with it's, it's the labor it, right it's, say what it's the labor it's like it, it is the labor it's so much it's uncomfortable it's restricting it's that like restricting element in the relationship mm-hmm. it's that kind of sometimes it can be that judgmental element or it can be that lack of freedom element mm-hmm. um you know, it, it, it's, it's, or this, this, the watchful eye element, like you're, you can't get away from the gaze of your partner. Saturn is definitely at work. <laughs> or the weight, I think of sometimes Saturn as just a big rock that everybody's trying to, you know, lug around from one place to the next. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's also the work because it represents repression in, in, in each individual in the chart. And so it also kind of, uh, represents an area where as a relationship, the other person, we all help each other work on our Saturns, work on the areas of ourself that have been repressed, that did not experience freedom, that did not experience play, that did not experience 
expression or that were somehow, um, you know, that may have been covered up by, by a sense of duty or responsibility uh, given to us by our parents, our society, our community, whatever. So it's, it's also these places where there, a lot of healing happens in a relationship, um, Saturn context. Uh, because Saturn is at its core a very rewarding planet if work is done, mm -hmm. um, it's also that part in the relationship that actually brings and ties people together. Right. And so, for in, in in relationships that are that are that have gravity that last or that are that have purpose and have movement and have vision, um, where the two feel drawn together despite hardship. Um, Saturn is usually present in some way uh, as well because right. it represents that gluing, that, that bond, the, the, the gluing power between two people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about the way that, um, that Saturn functions to help us mature and its, its qualities, like you said, of refinement and how in a relationship, um, I've heard this analogy a lot in Zen teachings um, that, you know, community is like the a bag of stones, you know, being jostled together and everybody's rough edges are being rubbed off in the relationship. And so we come out polished and the relationships are what rubs off our rough edges. And mm -hmm. I think of Saturn is that kind of, of potential too, of like where we labor and where we work through the hard stuff and figure out how to um, come into our integrity and strength and become mature. In yeah. good relationships, or in hopefully in in the good relationships, they can do that for us as well as the bad ones. I mean, I've learned so much about my own integrity through, <laughs> through bad relationships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or yeah, other and it's ones I should say. Yeah, yeah, and it's also that it's also the reward feeling. You know, it's like without Saturn in the relationships, without commitment in yeah. the relationships. Um, you're just kind of bouncing. You're just bouncing from one thing to the other, never really forced to encounter the actual boundaries and work with the boundaries that another person presents you. Yeah. And it's really, it's really in that zone where it's really in the Saturn zone where we, I think, often meaningfully get to know another person. Mm -hmm. You know, because it, it takes time. Everything Saturn always takes time. Right. Yeah. I'm really glad that you started with Saturn and mentioned it because I think a lot of times when people are thinking about synastry, they jump right to Venus and Mars. Um, and it feels, it feels important and smart <laughs> to, to think about Saturn um, as, a, as a kind of go-to first. Yeah, it's because when I look at the chart, I'm always like, so what's really going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what is it well you have an aquarius rising so saturn rules your your ascendant your your lens right mm -hmm. that um <laughs> <laughs> looking yeah, at things sure through the lens of I'm reality like, i want to know where i want to know where i can trip up <laughs> right, right before i move forward right after you look at saturn what do you look at what's what comes after that for you um, well, especially, well, I mean, sun moon is huge, you know, if, if some, if, if, if two people's luminaries, sun or moon, see each other are in, 
especially in harmonious aspect to each other it's 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 just beautiful you know it's 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 an incredibly supportive energy it means that on a core level two people um understand each other are are going to support each other and also see each other's purpose and see each other's path in life um so a sec- like a a trine or sextile or conjunction conjunctions are huge um between between um sun and moon um often create also that sort of that balance you know the fire water balance mm-hmm. um v- versus just like two moons together <laughs> um you know the <laughs> two moons just swimming along <laughs> um yeah it's like that complementary energy especially when the sun and moon have contact with one another so i i i look at that to see you know are these do these people actually get each other you know yeah. um of course i i honestly i would say that that is probably one of the most important um sun moon contacts and then of course also venus sun moon contacts i think are also um elements that just create inspiration um beauty love obviously between people so when those when those planets are in communication with each other in a harmonious way um um it it, it it's it's like you know it's kind of like what's the juice in the relationship like why why are these folks like why are folks why do folks like each other why are they getting each other like why is their energy sweet to why are they sweet to each other you know that's yeah. that's that's the sun moon venus um connection um but then of course yeah i look at i i would say i look at that and then i look at like venus and mars um uh-huh. so i'm like okay how do they activate each other how do they inspire each other uh, if, of course within romance uh you got to look at mars yeah um or if if the people intend to be sexual with one another uh, cuz mars speaks so much to the actual physical attraction that two people have to one another and the ability to express that mm-hmm. um what what do you mean the ability to express that can you explain that yeah cuz like sometimes you know like like sometimes we can be attracted to somebody but then when it comes to when it comes to bodies being together it's kind of it's like uh you know there's uh like it can be challenging <laughs> um <laughs> um, <Different rhythms. laughs> um i when i say the ability to express that is for example if if for example between like in if in synastry if if venus and what well, well let's say in synastry if venus and mars are making aspects to each other it's very likely that the people are on some level uh, physically attracted to one another mm-hmm. um, and and at that point it doesn't even matter what the aspect is like any kind of contact any field of vision any aspect between those two planets creates attraction some configurations can be a bit more confusing than others between um between venus and mars but generally if those two are communicating there's attraction now that can be happening but simultaneously um saturn might be at work again and saturn, <laughs> and saturn saturn could be one person saturn could be sitting on the other person's mars and 
Right. And so then that can signify that, um, you know, that there's attraction in the relationship and that it might also be difficult or a bit more challenging to be able to know how to express sexuality in a way that is comfortable to both people uh-huh. um, or physicality, you know, there's a, there, Saturn in that situ- in, 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 in hard aspect to Mars can indicate, again, some kind of a restriction to the expression of physical desire. Right. And that can show up of, in, in many different ways. Right. Um, and so the intention might be there or the, 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 the love might be there, but there might be, you know, some pathways in figuring out how to express that in a way that is, um, well, just how to express that. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Thanks for breaking that down, what you meant. Um, sometimes it seems like when I hear people talk about synastry that there's some confusion between the functions of Venus and the moon. Um, especially when it comes to ideas of like sweetness or love language. How do you see the two roles of Venus and the moon coming up in connections? Mm. Okay. How do I see the two roles of Venus and the moon coming up in connections? And, you know, I think... The moon is, 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 it represents more of our inner being, our, our, like our inner self, our, our self when we're alone at home, when we're, you know, when we reside within our inner space, our comfort, the way that we nurture each, the way that we nurture ourselves and each other, um, the way that we're able to express emotion, the way, the way that we're able to contact our inner self and how, uh, and the emotions that resonate from that space and how we are able to en- engage that when it comes up. Um, and so when I see moon contacts, I really think of two people who are able to be, who are actually able to be together at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, like, you know, you might have done all kinds of stuff out in the world, but can you, at the end of the day, you know, whatever, watch Netflix on the couch or just like hold each other or cook together or, or care for that more, in a more nurturing way of that inner aspect of each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you share home together? Mm-hmm. Um, so I see... I see that I see that more with with moon with the moon and synastry. Venus and synastry. Venus is a very social element. Venus is an ele- an, is is um, an element of uh, expression of our social connections of how and who we are in society. Um, it can often in synastry also represent how the other person makes the other person. How, how the two people make each other feel when they're in social spaces, the kind of social spaces that they share together, how they bring value to one another. And that can mean many, many, that can mean many things that can be on the level of art, that can be on the level of actual finances or resources, that can, there can be so many expressions of value. But to me, Venus is a bit more of an extroverted element in, within the context of synastry. And so, you know, two people can have uh, 
wonderful Venus contacts, which is also great for friendship, but it doesn't mean that like, you know, at the end, you know, that they have that nurturing element necessarily where they can just hold each other, uh, which is what I would see more with the moon. Uh-huh. And so Venus contacts to, in sinistry to me represent inspiration, um, being creatively inspired, there being that presence of sweetness, but sweetness in like that active way and like that, in that, in that like honey kind of way, <clears throat> not in that quiet, not in that quiet lunar, I'm, I'm catering to your emotions kind of way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Venus, yeah, Venus can be a much more social love or mm-hmm. a much more extroverted expression of, pe- of two people's love. Mm-hmm. Whereas the moon is, is more of their private space. Nobody else might actually know about these, about two people's, or about a relationship um, when, the, when, the, when the two moons are just in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning before when we were talking about Venus-Saturn contacts um, that Venus can also be associated to ideas of value or beauty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, when, just specifically in the context of Saturn or just Venus in general? Just Venus in general. Yeah, I mean, Venus, I mean, you kind of, it's helpful to have some, some Venus in, in sinistry, you know? I mean, <laughs> Venus is, is definitely the element, an element of attraction, of beauty. Like, we might actually first notice another person through their Venus, uh-huh. or through a contact with the other person's Venus. Those are elements where those are like immediate draws. Yeah. So sometimes the moon stuff, you only get into that once you actually know somebody. But mm-hmm. like Venus contact, those are, those are immediate, immediate attraction and the immediate impression that mm-hmm. somebody leaves on you. The, the wonder that, 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 that fills you when you encounter somebody or a crush. Venus, Venus like Venus is such a crush element, you know what I'm saying? Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when, for example, if, if, if my moon trines somebody's Venus, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to probably think that that person's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, or when any of my planets uh, sextile or trine somebody's Venus, I'm going to be like, wow, that, that <clears throat> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to look at them. I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, wow, okay. Um, and I'm also going to uh, somehow be impressed by their presence in the world. I think Venus speaks a lot to, as well as the ascendant, but Venus speaks a lot to somebody's, the presence that's, especially in sinistry, the presence that the other person has in, in the other one's life. Right. So it's kind of how I internalize my partner's social presence often has a lot to do with that person's Venus. Yeah. And the context that my planets make to their Venus right. um, has a lot to do with how I interpret them as a social being and what attracts me to that person as a social being. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, involved in that are things like appearance Mm -hmm. um how somebody carries themselves i think a lot of of, of, about venus as a kind of magnetism you know that it's it's like how we draw towards ourselves whereas mars is more of an asserting quality but that venus has this kind of you know sweet magnetic come to me 
kind of a feeling. And so when a Venus contact gets triggered, that that kind of attraction, like you're saying, is like a crush feeling. Yes. Oh, what's yes, that? totally. And flirtation. Yeah. Venus has speak so much to how two people also start flirting with each other. Mm-hmm. So it has so much to do with the early stages of, of well, with dating and the early stages of relationship. Uh-huh. Totally. You know, like yeah. how is my Venus kind of tickled by another person has a lot to do with like just like how they're getting to me how my venus has a lot to do with how i try to court somebody you know Uh yeah (laughs) yeah so how do you try and court people i'm just looking at your (laughs) at your (laughs) that venus in aries (laughs) what do you think Do some do something awesome and brave. I mean, Take someone for a passionate, freedom-filled spree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're warm. You're warm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do like. I do like going. I do like creating a sense of adventure. Yeah. So if I if I if I'm going out with somebody, it it like it has to feel. I, I will create conditions of excitement and adventure yeah. and perhaps newness and novelty in some ways. Yes, for sure. Right. <laughs> I'll definitely take him on a trip. <laughs> right. Um, well, you're also such an adventurous person that, you know, I think about Venus just in a personal chart as, you know, where, where we're sweet, you know, like where our sweetness really comes out and where we're happy and like what kind of fills up our heart space. And so, for someone with Venus and Aries, it's like, well, you got to be doing your thing and having a good time and taking a, adventures where you can find them. And so yeah. good synastry for you is probably going to be someone that can meet you there, right? Definitely. Also, you know, Venus likes, likes to, Venus and Aries also kind of likes to do a little bit, like they like to do a little bit of work. Like yeah. you don't, you don't just like want somebody to be oh. served you know, like you don't want someone to just like immediately open up and give their all to you. You kind of want to pursue them a little bit. So that's right. that creates like excitement in the Venus yeah. and Aries when you when you know wait when you're like you wait I gotta challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's you know somebody who can offer me a little bit of a challenge will naturally like. <laughs> like a pursuit will naturally like arouse my, you know, my curiosity. Right. (laughs) And then I might also then reenact, I guess, that within the context of our connections without even realizing it, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe push them away a little bit just so I can keep it a little spicy. Yeah. you know. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's great. Okay. So now it is in home. Oh, my, I have Venus in Virgo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, hmm. how do I like to be courted and court? Well, when someone can organize some shit. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, I have been known to, like, go on dates and, like, end up kind of, you know, washing someone's dishes or, like, putting their CDs in, um, back when people had CDs, like, in in the order of the colors, you know, like I'll arrange things. Um, I really appreciate refinement and like, I'm super attentive to details. And Mm -hmm. when, like when someone can 
show me that they're attentive to details, I get really excited mm -hmm. about that. Um, I have Venus conjunct my Mercury, and so words and thoughts and like specificity really that's my jam. That just that's just just sets it off. Yeah. Just I'm all ears. Yeah, describe something to me really nicely. Um mm -hmm. I love that. I think Venus and Virgo, you know, it's often, it's, um, it's a hard placement for Venus. And um, I've certainly found that to be true in, in a lot of ways. Like um, one of my mentors, I was, you know, having some kind of, of, of love, love and loss kind of situation going on. And she was saying that Venus and Virgo is, um, you know, the woman with a veil over her face, like there's a natural kind of um, shyness or, or like reluctance to, um, be magnetic. I mean, I think of Venus as this kind of, you know, it rules Libra and Taurus. And so it is really social. It is really sensual and Venus and Virgo can be really held back. And mm -hmm. I definitely experienced that. And I feel like, um, uh, like I have Venus in the second house. And so like Venus works for me with work. And like, it works for me a lot, like so much of my work with bodies, like I'm so specific Yeah. and I'm really interested in the nuance and the subtlety of things. Um, but then when it comes mm -hmm. to relationship, like it, it, it really takes me a long time because it's like, I get a kind of sensory overload, um, a, a lot of times. And it's like, t uh, a challenge a little bit to sort out the information and, um, can be hard to, to feel like, you know, lovable or, or things like that with Virgo being very critique, critique oriented a lot. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing about synastry too is, is that, um, it, it also allows other people to bring out and amplify aspects of our chart that we might have difficulty accessing. Mm. And, and so even, you know, as you describe that with the Venus and Virgo and perhaps feeling some reluctance or some perhaps discomfort there at times or in the past, um, you know, when so like somebody else's Jupiter, for example, contacting your Venus can create, you know, an exuberance that could be quite uh, shocking but then also very pleasant in some ways because yeah. it, it because it does it does um stretch venus's capabilities um expression a little bit more in you know in that in that kind of a i mean in any situation yeah but that's one of the that, i mean that's one of the i mean that's why we seek out relationship astrologically in many ways <laughs> yeah well i mean i was thinking about when you were speaking before about um the moon moon venus aspects like my partner now um has moon in virgo and so we have that conjunction their moon to my venus and i would say that you know this relationship has been incredibly healing for me because a lot of the ways where maybe i felt more shut down or like um i couldn't express myself because it felt too nitpicky or something like that like they're so into it you know and um and we both can like copy edit for each other and like that's for for both of us that's like such a thrilling and romantic thing to be able to do that. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like copy editing, right? <laughs> yes, let's go to the container <laughs> store together. <laughs> yep. Ikea, baby. <laughs> um, yes, totally. I mean, it's it's really beautiful. I mean, when you like the, the magic of that connection is it's such a bomb, like you said, it's healing, you know. It it can put it could put something, the moon and Venus, uh, you know, such personal elements um, that do experience friction at ease when you know that these deep aspects of yourself are just seen and they're understood. And, and not only that, they're, they're also amplified. They have a home. They are at ease with each other. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. When there are aspects too that I mean, I, I'm thinking a lot about sextiles in sinistry and this kind of like the the friendliness of a sextile and the ways that those aspects can see each other. Um, it's not quite the conjunction of like, oh my God, we're we're totally coming from the same place, but like, oh, I see you over there, I love you over there, and now I'm just gonna make this little joke that like, yeah. you see yourself and love yourself over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that activation, that activation yeah. energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's great also like in friendship, you know, like a lot of sextiles in friendship, yeah, are just, or in creative partnerships are just like amazing right. because you just kind of, you just kind of like instigate each other's, each other's processes, um, mm -hmm. ideas, actions. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's um, when I do synastry readings for people, I'm usually looking for sextiles. Are there, aspects that you're looking for i mean when i say i'm looking for it's like i'm i'm looking at the whole chart um and and the different aspects but you know seeing a a, a synastry um relationship with a lot of sextile energy to me it feels like okay we can do this like even if there are the hard aspects it's like the sextiles are gonna mm -hmm. kind of give it the support that it needs are there certain aspects that that you look for in synastry um yeah no i i think sex i think sextiles are super important sextiles are 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 like like you said they're activating and they're exciting um more so than like trines trines like feel great between synastry they're supportive i mean i look at all of them you know really i don't look at like the the like in conjuncts and things like that but i you know for me like the trines is just some basic harmony like we can just like chill and get along yeah. um there's a it's kind of like looking at different energy levels within a chart you know you got conflict energy tension do you have chill energy where you're just relaxing together which to me ca can be conjunctions if they're if they're not, if, you know, if they're pleasant planets. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, do, do we activate each other? And, and do we excite each other? And do we motivate each other to move forward or to accomplish things, to do things? Do we have vision together? And so I see that in the, definitely in the sextiles and also in the, in the squares. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely got to have some squares in, the, in, in, the, in, in a relationship for, for it to be exciting. Right. Right. So say a little bit about that, because a lot of times people see squares and they just think, oh, no, we're just going to fight. T tell me what you think about squares as positive in relationship. Um, <clears throat> so it's interesting because I do wonder if, if it varies uh, for the different element, elements, 
Like if somebody is very watery in their chart, do they appreciate squares as much as somebody who's very fiery? Not sure, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine not. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, squares are just, you know, it's kind of like, it's boring to just meet yourself, you know? It's, it's, it's when, when, we, when we're interested in somebody, we're often looking for, we're often interested and intrigued by aspects, that by things that we ourselves somehow don't embody or that we're somehow striving for or that we're somehow puzzled by, that we're just like, I can't believe this person or just, you know, that, that, that also that moment where you're, you're like regarding someone, you're like, wow, this person's incredible. You know, I don't even understand how they're alive and doing what they do, you know, and that's a lot of that is, is, is can be at the energy of a square, yeah. just um, surprise, wonder, you know, this, um, the being, uh, being just kind of hypnotized by the difference. Mm -hmm. um, being drawn to difference, being drawn to other possibilities, other options. Mm -hmm. Squares have a way of opening up our chart, mm -hmm. um, you know, creating, uh, and by opening up our chart, I mean opening up our personality, opening up spaces with, within us that we might be comfortable with, or maybe that we haven't had the chance to express. So when somebody's, uh, when somebody's planet is in square to that area of our chart, then they are kind of like creating friction in that area and challenging us to emerge, mm -hmm. to emerge out of that space. And so, you know, I think on an evolutionary, from an evolutionary perspective, all of us, a lot of us are trying to grow and learn more and become uh, visions of ourselves. And I think the squares really uh, can create that challenging element that makes that happen. Of course, now you're going to need, it's good to have sextiles and trines there so that that action can be supported. Right. You don't want like too many squares because then you're just fighting all the time. Um, yeah. Although some people are into that too. Yeah. I mean, if, for example, I would, you know, if somebody has a lot of, um, uh, of squares in their natal chart, that might, that kind of tension inner tension is something that they might be uh, comfortable with and accustomed to and that feels good to them or it feels they recognize what that is and so that my, my may also uh, look for that in relationship because they understand it you know versus you know some people don't want to don't want constant uh, you know agreement right. in the context of their relationship you know right this, this confuses them yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are one half of a team making this app, right? A, a astrology for relationships app. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I mean, I imagine this is a huge amount of work to put together because how do you even start to think about all of these different aspects and the ways that they combine going into an app? Yeah. How like. How did you even start that? It seems like such a huge undertaking. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a project called Cosmic Life with my business partner, Alejandra, who is in Hawaii. 
It's a project we've been working on for four years, okay. pretty much. Ever since I came to Portland, just before leaving Hawaii is when we kind of conceived of this idea of which it was, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a dating app or a connections app that found you people based on synastry and not just someone's face? Mm. Um, and the moment we had the idea, we were like, this is one of those where I feel like we just have to do it. You know how you have idea with ideas with friends and, and it's cool and you're like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And then you both go home. Right. Um, it, there was just something about this where it felt like, no, I think, I think we should do this. I think we're ready for this. I think people will want this. I think this is going to be super interesting and will open up a whole other dimension of astrology and the possibility of finding language of connection between people and giving us actually language to express what's happening in our relationships. So anyway, so this app is called Cosmic Life and we're working on it. And yeah, definitely in the beginning, it was like, how do we make this thing? Like, how do we, how do we create matches? Um, and through some thinking and just look, through a bunch of research and reading and reading up things on synastry and relationships, I just decided to make an algorithm. You just decided to make an algorithm. I made an algorithm, Renee. Okay, this is a person with Aquarius rising, Jupiter in Aquarius in the first house. I'm just going to say that. Square to your Saturn, square to your sun. You just decided to make an algorithm. Okay, go on. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we're going to have to somehow sort this data and yeah. create by relevance mm -hmm. and, by, and by tears, <laughs> by tears of relevance. And then we're going to have to figure out um, what needs to, what are crucial elements that we think need to be present for there to be a spark between people, for there to be like a sincere interest in, um, that, people, that two people will have for one another. And so we basically identified um, about 260 synastries like synastry aspects and then categorize them by categorize them by by their level of harmony mm. so what does that um, mean what what do you mean harmony? So, so for example um like a sun a sun jupiter conjunction okay or a sun moon conjunction is or or trine is a very harmonious aspect. You know, like what you share, um, a Venus-Moon conjunction, that's an incredible harmony that is introduced into a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, a Venus-Mercury sextile, that's really cool harmony. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's a good, that's a good, that's a really beautiful connection, that's an activating connection, that's an exciting connection. Um, it's not as soulful as maybe a moon Venus conjunction. Got it. You know, and then a Mercury Mercury square is challenging. Uh huh. Right. So so we categorized these different synastries and this and and with through a process of experimentation, which at the time I had to all do by hand because oh I God. didn't have I didn't have cosmic life. Oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so but this has made so, you an amazing relationships astrologer i imagine i mean doing all of this was, by hand it was really interesting it yeah. was really interesting to see what i found i basically um selected uh people like the people that were closest to me in my life and the people that i i care nothing for um, and not even in the sense that I dislike them, just people that I wouldn't even, that have no, that have no like gravity, that have no resonance in my life or that don't leave an impression. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I looked at the, their charts in comparison to mine and saw what, what are the patterns coming up here, you know? Um, and of course, also in relationship to, and then also I connected all my friends' charts and was like, what are the patterns coming up between them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so basically categorized um, these synastries and created an algorithm that is kind of like an, it's a bit like an elimination algorithm. As what the app does is it says, certain astrological conditions have to be met. It has to be a certain amount of incredible harmonies good harmonies, just like mediocre ones, and also some challenges in a chart for somebody to come up as a match. Mm. Um, and if there is not enough oomph, someone isn't gonna come up as a match. And if there's way too much challenge between two charts, someone also isn't going to come up as a match the way the algorithm stands now. The algorithm is other other rules of the of the game. You know what I'm saying? They're the laws of this world, and they can be changed. Uh -huh. And so, and you've been um, like in the beta phases, right? So you've been testing it out with people. And so we're we've been testing it out on a on like in a small circle, but now we're really gonna do our more substantial beta test. Mm -hmm. So right now we've launched an Indiegogo campaign, and we are just waiting for a critical mass of people to be on the platform um so that you know you you know you don't go on there and no one's there um until we kind of release the beta testing code to everyone but which is could happen any day uh -huh. and then yeah we're going to start collecting um data for the first time or just seeing how what it feels like for people you know what i mean yeah. This, this app is for folks. I don't have, I don't get an ego, ego kick out of this. You know what I mean? Um, like I want people to have to, to like, I want to learn what, what creates significant connection for folks. Um, while also keeping this premise, it's kind of like this a sneaky astrology premise that, that underlying this thing is this belief that, or this hypothesis that, um, this hypothesis that there are a certain number of connections when those exist between two people, they're really going to get along. Uh -huh. So like, is it true? Right. Because from an astral perspective, we would be like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I test it. say what? But now you're going to test it. Now we're going to test it. This is really exciting. I don't, there's not any other apps that do this Thing, right that match people based on sinistry no there there are there are not because I, there are definitely plenty of apps out there where you can get sinistry with people like you can input their information or like with the what is it the pattern or something like you can link up to your friends yeah 
And I think the pattern is really the first one that does that in a significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there are, so like, I'm actually not aware of another app besides the pattern that does that. Does that. And the interesting thing is that the pattern doesn't really tell you what, what the, what the information is based on. You, you, they don't you really get, admit to being an astrology app, right? It's, it's like it more of an is, but they don't tell you like your Mars is right. your Mars is trying their Mercury. You know, they they give you descript descriptions without telling you where the info like where that they draw that information from. Um, but yeah, they don't. So they're out there. Um, but yeah, there's no app currently out that matches people based that makes you find people based on synastry. Wow. I'm so excited. I just got so excited when I realized, I think that before I hadn't realized that you were actually matching people, that that was the main function of that. Um, yes. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> amazing. It's so, so interesting, you know? Yeah. So for the moment, you're, are you thinking of it just in terms of, you know, friendship, connections, uh, dating or are you thinking about all kinds of different relationships like matching people for for work or things like that so at the moment we're keeping it we're keeping it pretty basic Mm -hmm. um it's right now our algorithm is written so that when somebody actually has resonance in another person's life enough that that it's kind of like enough that it would be like a rock dropping in a pond and not just a pebble you know what i mean that that person would come up as a match. What you do with that match is up to you. Right. We're, we're currently not, uh, you know, going deeper in on it um, or creating more categories. We will probably, we might do that once we've start had, have had more people on the app and have had more feedback from people and also my feedback about what people want and what they're curious about. But right now it's very, it's very open. Okay. But I can imagine that that, that those elements uh, may come in in the future. I mean, I can imagine so many different applications for this, this type of algorithm or this type of matching, you know, that it could, it could be amazing, you know, for finding all kinds of relationships and the right people for different things. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll also be really interesting. You know how people nowadays in Portland, when you go to like a queer party, Folks are like, what's your sun, moon, rising? And everybody knows, you know? So, like, yeah, it feels like maybe once people have been on this app for a while, you know, folks will start talking about synastry. They'll be like, you know, what's your favorite synastry? Right. You know? Get a little oh, deeper in the conversation. It's like, oh, we have a, we have a, we have a Venus-Mercury trine. Uh-huh. We you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of places this could go. It's really exciting. Yeah. In um, the kind of information you've sent to me yesterday, you were mentioning that this is a community model and you're aspiring for the app to be partially community owned and are looking for community contributions to it. What does that mean? Or can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm, this is a connect. This, the the basis of this app is that it's a connections app. I I I want it to be a community community building space, 
um, both within the function of the app, but also within the ownership model and how the app is run and who influences things and who benefits from us um, exploring and admiring and being enthralled by astrology. And I would want it to be um, my community. Yeah. And so there, so purposefully, and as we move forward with the app, we want part of the equity of this, of this project to uh, go back to our community. We're looking for community investors, people who want to be involved. We'd rather, we'd rather whatever we create from this goes back to our community than some third part, part person that, are, that I have absolutely no clue about. Right. Um, and I also believe that as a community space, we want our community to have a voice, a voice in how this information is used and, 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 uh, and how it's put out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's, you know, that, that's, that's also recognizing that and wanting business, like, I think any way that business needs to work in the future is actually community modeled. You know, I think so, so much more business needs to figure out how to have, uh, how to have a community stake um, and speak to its community. And so as we grow this thing and as we can figure out what, what its tentacles and laws are, we want to just be aware that that is one of our core tenants, that we do want this to have to speak back to community and benefit community. Um, and we're still figuring out what that means. We know that um, we do want ownership of the app to be in community hands and are looking for investors. Um, right now we are crowdfunding, so we're asking our community to support this project so that we can actually make it happen. Um, but yeah, and in whatever we do, we're trying to create more connection and more resilience and strength within our community. And so that's definitely one of the core goals of this project. Mm -hmm. um, well, I really want to say that I love so much that you are engaging with technology and, you know, apps as a means for strengthening community. It feels like that's the right use of technology. And I just really want to applaud you for using it that way. I feel really hopeful about technology when people are using it in, in these ways. So, um, thanks. Um, so com like community is a buzzword and it can mean a lot of things. What does community mean to you? Um, for the context of this app, uh, community is queer community, uh, queer community. And then specifically, um, QTI POC community. Um, this, you know, both the founders, myself and Alejandra, are people of color, and we're making this app primarily for with the with the with a voice that is grounded in people of color's perspectives, um, and so that is our community. That is the voice that we carry. That is the voice. That is the people that we're speaking to. Um, but also um, queer community at large. Mm -hmm. How do you, like, how do you envision as the app grows to be able to, um, be, like, to build queer community 
with an app that has this kind of potential? Because I could imagine that a lot of people are going to hear about it and like want it. So how, how do you foster the kind of community that you want around this? Um, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting um, process. I mean, I think, you know, I was uh, recognizing that everything is fractal, right? I think the way that we birth this thing will speak to what this thing becomes. Mm -hmm. um, right now, our engagement and who's coding for us, who's, who we're communicating with, the artists who, who are contributing to this, the astrologers who are contributing to this and who are using this as a portal are all um, queer people of color. And so within our growth model, that is who we've centered. And, you know, we would hope that that continues um, because that, you know, that is the messaging, that is the voice that this project carries. I think on some level, you know, we do have to recognize that, you know, this is out in the, this is, you know, it's going to be out in the, in the cloud, in the open, on the internet, whatever. And, there, you know, there's a limited amount of control, obviously, that one can exercise. But, um, you know, I think for us, it's been important to just be centered in what our, in what our goal, in what our goal is, and to respond to what things that come up from that from that centered space and these are things that, that will come up that i actually can't even i feel like at this point uh, predict yeah you know um yeah well so in again in this list that you sent me you have this like what else will the app do and then you say event portal access to astrologers and education tool so i can imagine that you know with this app you're basically building an online community space where people are coming together and they're going to be coming together for not just their connections with each other but you know information about events or um access to astrologers and like you said there's access to astrologers whose voices are queer trans people of color and mm -hmm. so you're drawing in the community with that space and then the community ideally right starts to build it out and they start to list their own events and this kind of thing yeah i mean that's that's definitely the idea and of course on our end we would have we have um a say over who then gets to participate in that space more significantly in terms of uh the public in terms of the public voice you know yeah um but yes we the as the app as we build the full version of the app and as this project or at least the vision that we have for this project is for it to be an astrology portal where uh queer astrologers specifically astrologers of color can contribute their can can have a contribution can share their work can share uh, their voice and also um you know receive benefit like <laughs> receive financial benefit from doing so <laughs> yeah. um and i'm really interested in the event portal portion of this too because i do i'm a big i'm a big face-to-face -face person you know i i i don't you know i i want people to meet <laughs> yeah. i want us i want us to be in space together and i want and and my desire is for this app to also encourage for people to be in space together in a way that is 
in rem- is in remembrance and also in honoring of the stars. Uh, one thing that I'm pretty excited about is maybe even doing some more like party planning that's that's correlated to planetary events just to maximize the good vibes that the stars yeah. have for us at any given point in time. All of those things hopefully will be a possibility with this project in the future. And as we seek collaborators, uh, we will be seeking collaborators that uh, share our, that share or resonate or reflect our voices. And it's so cool that you'll be featuring so many queer astrologers because astrology, I think it's changing a lot, but where it has come from kind of in, in the more recent times, like there, it's so gendered, um, like traditional astrology is so gendered and yeah, within the planetary descriptions, but then also speaking to like cis identities, like, Oh, if you're, you know, if you're a woman, then like Mars means this for you and it's going to mean something different for a man. And, um, the process of queering astrology, I think is so, is so liberating and it's so informative. And again, it's so deeply healing exciting that you're going to have um this abundance of queer astrological wisdom coming out of cosmic life yes i'm super excited and i'm also really honored and excited to have you on this path yeah tell me you're one of my favorite queer astrologers (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much tell me about some of the astrologers you've got on board i've seen some of their names coming through um on your instagram who do you have? Yeah, so we've been we've been talking a lot with um you you um Alice Sparkly Cat. Mm-hmm. One um, of my favorites. Oh my gosh, what a genius! Yes, if what a genius! Listening hasn't been to Alice Sparkly Cat's website. Go now. Go immediately. Immediately. <laughs> go 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 to their Instagram page. It's just yeah. endless endless astro genius and humor. Yeah, I mean Alice is really Alice speaks about astrology in a way that I haven't heard anybody anybody else uh, put information together. It's really amazing. It's super inspiring. It's very radical. It's very political. Mm-hmm. It's very futuristic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really it's really amazing. So Alice has been a huge supporter for of, of Cosmic Life and is will continue to work with us, um, uh, you know, from for a while now. Um, what we have several of Alice's um, books as perks on our Indiegogo. Um, their astral readings were already sold, like they were pretty much sold out the minute we put them up. Um, but there's they still have some of their books online on, on the Indiegogo as perks, so check it out. Then we have um Giselle, uh also yeah. as one of our do you know Giselle? I do know Giselle. Um we connected through you actually because uh you and Giselle taught a workshop in Portland. I, I was already out of town. Um but then I started following them on Instagram. Really love what they're up to. Giselle's does a lot of um, like embodiment play around astrology. And so we started, mm-hmm. with, we had a, um, a Zoom date last week and uh, Giselle's gonna be a guest on embodied astrology at some point in the next year or something like that. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Giselle's wonderful. Uh, Giselle, Instagram handle astro for my people. 
is a Seattle-based um, queer astrologer, uh, working a lot in also decolonizing astrology, uh, introducing, you know, the more um, Mayan, Aztec, um, roots or like the astrological tradition into their work as well um, or ex at least exploring it concurrent with with uh, western astrology um, is is by is a is a educator has a background in education and facilitation and so Giselle and I teach a lot of work have been teaching workshops together and it's so much fun yeah um, they have a lot of tools for engaging people in playful embodied astral practices we're actually teaching another workshop in seattle on uh, november 16th called um, astrology for collective resilience um, it's a workshop that we taught in portland and now we're teaching it in seattle and it's basically a workshop that leads people through some introspective play and uh, around the saturn pluto conjunction that's happening in 2020 and energies that have that are leading up to that and what it all spells for us in our lives and how we may benefit from moving through this time collectively and understanding our support networks and using astrology to delve deeper into that nice. um and then we also have Lietzen, um as one of our collaborators uh, Lietzen is uh, is also an incredible facilitator social justice worker organizer uh, from the Bay Area. Um, yeah, does so much rad stuff. Uh, I think they are on, I think they're a bit more new to Instagram, um, but they're also on there. You can get all our, the, the context of these people if you also follow us on Instagram, Cosmic Life. Um, Litsen is incredible. We have a little queer astro collective together and we're planning to uh, we've been we've been meeting together and also hope to have uh, a conference or like a retreat at some point for other queer astrologers in 2020. So we'll see what that holds. Um, yeah, those are those are some of the folks that have been yeah have been some of our 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 sounding board and our support and infused this project with their beautiful energy and ideas. And then what? we hope to and we hope to gather more, you know. Yeah, what are some of your next steps? Like what are you working on now and and what are you what are you trying to get done in the near future? Okay. So right now our biggest thing is that we're doing this fundraiser. Folks, if you're listening to this, please support this project. Uh we have an Indiegogo campaign that's live right now. It's going to be live for another 30 days. We, uh, we need, we're raising money. We need some money. Um, we need some finances. Um, so please support if you do like the, if you do like what you've been hearing and you think this is a worthwhile, worthwhile endeavor. Um, and support really means many things. Like there's financial support, but support also means letting your peeps know about it, spreading the word, um, sending good thoughts our way. Support is, comes in so many forms, you know? It actually... It actually sometimes is, well, we do need money, but any kind of support <laughs> is incredibly valuable. We're trying to get the app built out right now, right? So if you're listening, go to the Indiegogo campaign. Um, the, the link to the Indiegogo will be in the show notes. 
And you can also find information to Cosmic Life on Instagram, Cosmic Life. Um, and you can find a link to the Indiegogo. And then on the Indiegogo, there's um, different perks that people can claim. So you can get, obviously, access to the beta testing, um, AstroZine, and um, a couple of other perks. Lots of information, too, on that. Yeah, you can get readings with uh, myself on there. And also readings with Giselle and readings uh, with Leedson as well. Those are all available perks. Please, please take advantage. Yes. Um, but yeah, we are opening for beta testing and looking for beta testers too. So you can subscribe and become a beta tester, which means that your input will directly influence the creation of the full version of our app. And you get to have a first glimpse of what we're working on. So exciting. So we're doing that. Um, I'm right now outfitting, uh, and renovating a small school bus, which will function as an astral lounge, um, that we're going to be using in 2020 to move around and have little astral, astral lounge sessions in, um, all over the place. So that will be fun. Uh, but yeah, those are really our main things. What we're doing also is we're looking for a developer to create the full version of the app. Uh, and and uh, also expanding our graphic design team um, so that we can get ready to like make the the full full version of this app. Right now we have a prototype out, um, which does the matching, which does every the core functions of the app. Um, but we, uh, in order to build the full version of the app, we need to do some more development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we're at. Right. Well, this is exciting. So people can um, support the Indiegogo until the end of November. Is that right? This is correct. All right. And then if, if they miss that opportunity, I'm sure there's other ways. There will be other ways to support it in the future. Uh, yes, there are. And also keep in mind, folks, looking for community investors. That's right. If you are mm-hmm. a community investor. And Micah, Micah, do you do readings regularly? Is this something that people can just get in touch with you about if they wanted to get a synastry reading? Yes, please do. Uh, Please get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me through Cosmic Life as well. Um, So through the Instagram and um, our email address, info at cosmiclifeapp.com. You can reach me there. Um, I do do sinister readings. I love doing sinister readings. I love doing all kinds of readings. So whatever it is that you're curious about, you can um, sit with me, um, hopefully in our Astro Bus very soon. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. I've seen the beginning um, pages of the Astro Bus people, and it is sweet. It'll have Taurus vibes, you know? It'll just be cozy and beautiful and make you, you know, make you wonder about Can you bring stars. that rug? I'll be there. <laughs> Wherever that rug is, <laughs> I'm going to go. It's really a, it's really, <laughs> yeah. There will be comforts. Have okay. no, there, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but yes, you can book readings with me. Um, I'm currently restructuring my personal website, so that's not up yet. Um, but yeah, through Cosmic Life, you can reach me. Okay. Is there anything else people should know or I should ask you 
in this conversation? Hmm. Hmm. I think we talked about a lot, Renee. Nice. I think. I think. I think I'm. I think I'm good. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you do like this kind of special episode with my amazing guests, please check out the archive of special guest episodes at embodiedastrology.com, where I talk with amazing and inspiring activists, healers, teachers, and artists. If you want to support this kind of programming to continue, please consider making a one-time or recurring donation to Embodied Astrology. 100% of what you donate goes towards making episodes like this and towards making the audio horoscopes and monthly podcasts free for all. You can find links to donate in the show notes or from the website embodiedastrology.com. If you become a monthly a recurring donor at any amount per month, you will also get access to my extended subscriber offerings. And these include special month ahead forecasts. Those come in recorded audio form as well as a downloadable PDF calendar so that you can work more closely with astrology in your life and make astrology work for you. Thanks so much for your support and for listening, everyone. Wishing you all the best and bye for now.